Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Joining us on uh, worship this uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday. So one more time, he is risen. That is our hope. If we can't say that, then as Paul would say, we have no hope. If our hope is only in this life, then we are the most to be pitied. But our hope is not only for this life, it is for the life to come, secured for us by the resurrection of Jesus. When we say, he is risen, this is a declaration of victory. Because Jesus is risen and lives today, death is defeated, sin is defeated, Satan is defeated, and Jesus now stands in victory. And the question that we might ask when we say Jesus stands in victory is, well, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for humanity? The glorious answer that we receive in Scripture is that Jesus has made a way for us to be with him in his victory over sin, over death, and over evil. God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Can we just say wow? wow? That you are united with Christ in all these places. You are united with him in his death, in his resurrection, and even in his ascendancy. He says you are with him, seated with him in the heavenly places. So when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we're not only celebrating Christ being raised from the dead, we're celebrating the fact that he raised us from death to life with him. It's a pretty incredible story, and it's a pretty incredible fact to know that Jesus defeated death. That's amazing. But what becomes even more amazing is Scripture consistently and repeatedly tells us this amazing good news, that not only has Christ triumphed over the grave, but we have triumphed over the grave because of our union with him. That's pretty incredible. I remember when I was a kid, and I would come to the Easter service, and I would think, okay, so a God rose from the dead. That sounds like something a God could do. But it becomes even more amazing when you realize that he's somehow raised me and you with him. That we are also resurrected to new life. New life here and now and a life that is promised in eternity. And that is the amazing good news that we are raised to life as well. Paul puts it like this, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Our victorious life in Christ begins the moment we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that that he rose from the dead. And not only is our sin forgiven, but we are dead to sin. We're dead to that old life. We've become new creations in Christ. And we are forever united with Jesus. We've been buried with him, 
raised to life with him, seated with him. Christ lives in us and we in him. This union, this spiritual union that is a little bit mysterious, if we try and think of it with our own human and finite minds, is really why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Because we need to have a hope that lies beyond this life. Now there's no doubt that Jesus changes our lives right here and right now. And we're able to live abundant lives in Jesus by the indwelling power of his Holy Spirit. And we see in this life glimpses of God's kingdom come and his will being done. Yet even as we live out our new lives in Christ, sometimes what we start to see is we start to see with spiritual eyes and we start to see the brokenness of this world, the darkness of this world, and we long for a time when everything will be put right. And we believe that one day all things will be put right. The kingdom of God will come in its fullness. Jesus will return and we will usher him into his domain as the rightful coming king. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to fix our gaze on Jesus the coming king. The lamb of God, the lion of Judah. I want us to see the hope that we have because Jesus defeated death. And I'd like for us to worship with all of heaven as we see what the resurrection truly means for us and for all the world. Scripture repeatedly affirms to us that Jesus is the king over all creation. He is, the victor- he is victorious over every enemy that seeks to rob us of life. Yet remember that this victory was won not with weapons of warfare or mighty armies. Jesus won the victory through sacrifice, through love through emptying out of himself and laying himself down. And this is why scripture now describes Jesus to us in two ways. He is spoken of as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and the Lion of Judah who reigns over all things forever. You notice a theme through a lot of our songs. We sang about the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. He is the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah who reigns over all things. He's the Lamb who was slain and the Lion who reigns forever. And the Lion has triumphed because he became a Lamb. By taking our sins in his body on the cross and paying the price of death for our sins, he emerges victorious over sin, victorious over death, victorious over Satan, and he unites us to himself in victory over all these things. And we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven, children of, our, of God our Father, and we are ambassadors of that kingdom here on earth. That's what we get united into. When you confess that Jesus is Lord, you are now part of the kingdom of heaven. You are a citizen of that kingdom. You're an ambassador of that kingdom. God is truly your father. And you are a co-heir with Christ. This is incredible news. Pastor Randall preached a few weeks ago that we go out into the world with the authority of Jesus because we're united with him. We go doing the work of the kingdom to which we now belong, which is putting wrong things right, both physically and spiritually, because we proclaim with words and power the kingdom of God is here. And indeed, everywhere Christians work and gather should be a glimpse into our future. A future where the kingdom of God is fully established. Not that we're going to finish this task fully, and nor is it our job to transform the entire world. But what we do is we show the world what the kingdom of God looks like. The church and followers of Jesus are lights in the darkness. Showing and telling the world that Jesus has come, Jesus has risen, and Jesus is the king who will come again to put all things right... And we're invited into abundant and eternal life with him right now. I'm drawn to the Apostle John when he's exiled to the island of Patmos. 
at the end of his life. And he's writing to a group of Christians in Asia Minor who are hard-pressed on every side by a variety of troubles. And he writes what we call the letter of Revelation, the book of Revelation. And in this, this revelation that he has, he's given a vision of what is occurring and what will occur in heaven. So not only was Jesus resurrected, but Jesus ascended to heaven, and he's seated on the throne there. And Paul says, we are also seated with him there. Today, I want us to understand the glory and the power of Jesus, the victory that he has won. And and like I said, I want us to worship with all of heaven the lamb that was slain and the lion of Judah who conquers sin, death, and evil. It's the Apostle John's vision of heaven recorded in Revelation that fills me with hope, and I want to share it with you today. So in John's vision, in Revela- it begins in Revelation, we have the throne room of heaven in Revelation chapter 4. And here in Revelation 5, he's shown a scroll. And we find out that this scroll holds the information on what must take place in the future. It basically answers the question, how will the world be put, will be put right? Because the world is still broken. How is the world going to be put right? And the scroll will reveal it. But the question is asked in heaven, who is worthy to read from this scroll? John records, I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside. It was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. So John is seeing the mess of the world around him. And it seems as though there is no one who can sort it out. A scroll has been held out by God. And what is this scroll with writing on both sides and sealed by seven seals? I'm not going to talk a lot about the scroll, but the following chapters of Revelation indicate that this scroll contains all the information about the world's affairs and its history and its future. And the cry goes up in heaven, who is worthy to open the scroll? Who can interpret its meaning and who can carry it out? Who can make sense of our existence and our destiny? Who can unravel the plot of of this human story? And there's a question of worthiness. Who's worthy to open it? No one, it seems, is found worthy. But then one of the elders says, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. There is one who is worthy. And we as the readers of Revelation and, and with John, we want to catch a glimpse of this lion, this conquering, this strong one. And then we share confusion and shock with the Apostle John because we hear of a lion. The elder says, do not weep. The lion of Judah has conquered. But when we look, we see a lamb. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. A lamb looking as if it had been slain. This lamb is slaughtered but still standing, victorious in death. And it's the vision of a slaughtered lamb and not a victorious, ferocious lion. And it's a reversal because we expected to see a lion, the conquering one, but instead when we actually look, we see a lamb. Richard Hayes says that the shock of this reversal discloses the central mystery of Revelation, that God overcomes the world not through a show of force, but through the suffering and death of Jesus, the faithful witness, the slain lamb of God. The king reigns and receives the worship of heaven because by his blood he has ransomed people for God. The cross is at the center of the story still. Only through the crucified Christ can we establish a relationship with God and with the source of life in our universe. The lamb alone could fulfill God's saving purposes for the world. And because the lion became the lamb, 
Because the one who created all things was willing to die for his creation, he alone is worthy to open the scroll. And because he is worthy to open the scroll, because he was slain and rose again to life, a new song of praise is sung. And I want to draw our attention to the worship of heaven here. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. There's worship going on in heaven because of the lamb. So today when we praise together, We join with all of heaven, our voices together, and we praise the lamb who was slain. We say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the one who has all the power and the glory and the honor. Not because he conquered with the sword, but because he laid his life down. The lamb's power has been manifested not in the power associated with a lion, but in the power of faithfulness to death. A violent death that resulted in the redeeming of a royal priestly people for God. The lamb is worthy precisely because he has conquered through the cross. Through death, the victory for all creation was won and it was secured in his resurrection. And so we must say then that the cross and the resurrection remain the most important information that Christians have to offer this world. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that the lamb of God has power precisely because of the cross. For it was on the cross where Jesus atoned for our sins and not only our sins but the sins of all the world. On the cross, Jesus bore our sins in his body so that we could be dead to sin and live for righteousness. And so we remember that in in a spiritual way, our old lives have died with Christ. They were buried with Christ in the grave. And now we are alive with Christ as new creations. This is astoundingly good news. The people of God announce this good news to the world. One of the 24 elders says, do not weep. And that's always actually the task of the church. It's to proclaim the good news to a despairing world that is weeping. The elder says, do not weep, because there is someone who can make sense of the world and of history and of the future. There is one who can set you free from sin, and there is one who can wash you clean. There is someone who is strong, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb who was slain. There is someone who has triumphed. And he can make sense of your world and he can breathe hope into your lives. This is how Brett Davis puts it. He says, God is fully revealed to us in the sacrificial suffering love of Jesus. Triumphant suffering love sits on the throne and opens the scroll. It shows us both who God is and how God saves. God is a giver, always giving life and existence to everything. That's in Revelation 4 verse 11. God is a lover to the point of pain, suffering, and slaughter. God is a servant to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And that's precisely why the four living creatures and the 24 elders bow down before him. That's why everything in existence gives him praise and honor and glory and power because he didn't conquer with the sword. He conquered with the cross, with sacrificial love. And that is why he is so worthy of honor, praise, and glory. Tim Chester says the two commands in chapter five are for us to behold 
and to weep no more. He says, maybe what you see around you are the enticements of this world. Career, sex, money. It's so hard to live for Christ when we see temptations all around us. The fact is, if we sin, it's because we suffer from a radical loss of perspective. When what sin offers seems to be better than what God offers. But that's what happens to us day after day. We lose perspective. And to this, John says, behold, look to the lamb on the throne, to the one who died for you and the one who offers you glory eternal. This is the victory that has overcome the world, says John. Or maybe you're weeping. Maybe your heart is broken. Maybe the pressure you're under or the loss you've experienced feels overwhelming. And we have to read the weep no more with the behold. This is not a call to get a grip on yourself and just pull yourself together. John's not telling you to just suck it up if you're crying into your pillow every night. But he is encouraging you to look up and to remember. He's inviting you to behold, to see the lamb on the throne, He's inviting you to look at the greatest power in the universe, the one who reigns over all of history and the future, and to see the one who loved you and gave himself for you, and he invites you to see in the enthronement of the Lamb that your story is not yet over. It doesn't really matter what your history is. It doesn't really matter what your past is. Your story is not over because the Lamb is on his throne. And if you will look to him, and if you will become one with him, then your chapter is not over. There's another chapter yet, even after this life ends, and that chapter is eternal glory with him. The vision of the Lamb reveals to us a God who makes everything new by healing it from the inside, by stepping into our world, becoming like us, by bearing our sin in his body so that we could become the righteousness of God and children of God, united with him now and co-heirs with him. The crucifixion and resurrection show us a God who is never detached or disinterested or far away. Instead, we see a God who has felt our every pain, who knows our every weakness, who's experienced our every temptation, who chose to suffocate in our sin and purchase us back from the domain of darkness. The resurrection of Jesus invites us to see clearly that God's victory does not avoid the slaughter, but bears it, passes through it, and transfigures it. Those are beautiful words. Those aren't mine. I forgot to put a quote. That's Brett Davis. But this is really the gospel with simplicity. The triumphant suffering of Jesus is how God saves the world. Love to the point of death is how God saves the world. And this is the message that we proclaim to the world. That God so loved the world that he died to save it. That God so loved you and me that he died to save us. He laid his life down because he loved us so much. And the good news continues because death couldn't hold him. He rose again, defeating not only our sin, but defeating death as well. And then he ascended to his rightful place of authority over all as the Lion of Judah who reigns forever. And what is more, he's invited us to be with him in that. To receive his spirit today and eternal life to come. This means death has no hold on us. Sin cannot control or condemn us. This is the power of the resurrection of Jesus. United in his resurrection, and greatest of all, assured of eternal life. Death is not a defeat for us. Not anymore, it's not. We die in this earthly life, but we are assured of the eternal life to come. And truly, because Jesus is the Lamb of God, we have no guilt in this life. And because he is the Lion of Judah, we have no fear in death. Isn't that what everybody wants? No guilt in life. No fear in death. That's what we desire. And that's what was secured for us in the resurrection of Christ. 
we, we live in this victory. Nothing can rob us of the victory that Christ secured for us. Not death, not persecution, not even suffering or death. I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, we heard the news that 21 Christians were beheaded by ISIS on a beach in Libya. 20 of the men gathered there that day were Coptic Christians from Egypt, all from the same small area, from the same church family, identified by small crosses that they tattooed on the base of their thumbs. The 21st man who was captured was named Matthew. He was from West Africa, maybe Ghana somewhere, but no one actually knew who this Matthew was. He just happened to be gathered with these men. His captors are said to have told this man, Matthew, that he could go. He didn't have a cross on his hand. And so they didn't know, are you Christian? Are you not a Christian? We don't know. They actually said that he could leave. But he said, I am a Christian. And he chose to share in the death of the others. But like all the others, his demeanor facing death was extraordinarily peaceful. On the video that they, that they played, because of course ISIS videotaped this whole thing. And on the video... He had a last whisper before he lost his life. He said, Ya Rabbi Yasu, which means my rabbi, Jesus. And then he was put to death. I came across an interview with the Archbishop Angelos of the Egyptian Orthodox Coptic Church. He was the main spokesperson for the church where these 21 men, where these 20 men came from. And he said a few things that I want to share with you. He said, We've lived persecution over centuries. But the interesting thing is we live it with a sense of resilience and we have never fallen into a state of victimhood or triumphalism. We realize it is the cross of Christ. We are carrying it. It's not the end of the road because there is a resurrection that comes after the cross and the empty tomb. And it is in that hope that we continue to live. And it's in that hope that we continue to carry the cross knowing that it will be removed from us. And he asks this really profound question. He asks who really had the power on the beach that day? The men with the masks holding the swords or the young men who are kneeling down so honorably and so peacefully with such resilience and grace who offered a prayer to their Lord before the moment of their death. Through faith in their union with Jesus, these men robbed death of its power and they robbed men of violence of their power. Death could not win. ISIS did not defeat anyone. The eternal kingdom of God simply gathered more of its priests and saints to their eternal home. That's what victory looks like. Sometimes we think victory looks like the armies marching through, dominating and capturing and conquering. But what victory actually looks like is no guilt in life and no fear in death. The archbishop says, the lesson I know as a Christian is that no matter how long or how dark or how cold or how oppressive the night is, it's always followed by dawn. There's always the other side of the transgression. There's always the other side of the peril. And we are in the hands of a mighty God who not only created us, but loves us even unto death and gives us resurrection. Another story of hope comes from Philip Yancey, a famous Christian author who spoke to people in Newton, Connecticut after the school shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School. And one mother was waiting for hours to hear whether her daughter was alive or dead. And the hours kept dragging on, and as they kept dragging on, she had a single overwhelming thought that she couldn't shake. That thought came to her, your daughter is safe. But she told Yancey that as the minutes dragged by, she said, I had a clearer understanding of where that safe place might be, but I never once doubted that she was safe. And a few weeks later, she wrote to Philip Yancey, and she says, when I close my eyes, I see my daughter, cradled in the palm of his hand. She is with God. She is at peace. When I could not find her, I felt a calm fill my heart 
and I knew in that moment she was with God. I knew that she was safe, safer than I could ever make her. That's the hope of the resurrection. This is the good news that we preach. Because Christ was raised from death to life and is alive today on the throne of heaven, we know death is not the end. We know that we have victory with him over death. And Jesus is the king who will return to set all things right. Easter reminds us that our king, Jesus, the lamb of God, the lion of Judah, has united us to himself. Jesus sacrificed his life, his blood, to purchase and secure for us eternal life. It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I'm going to call the worship team up as we close, and just a couple of things to, to be reminded of. Because Jesus is alive, there is a plan to put all things right, to make all things new. Justice will come. Sorrow will be no more. Every tear will be wiped away. No more sickness, no death, no sin, no cruelty. So remember your future today, secured for you by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. All this darkness is a small and passing thing compared to the weight of glory that is to come. And so if you're here today and this message rings true for you, and you want to be a part of this union with Christ, but you've never made that profession of faith, come and find me, either during the songs or after the songs. Come and find someone on the prayer team. We'll pray with you. Today, if he's calling you, don't harden your heart to his voice. Come. Come and be united with him. Abundant life now, eternal life to come. There's also baptismal water here. Maybe you're going, I, I feel like a pull in me. I want to I want to show what I believe to be true. I want to show the death to my old life and the raising of newness of life. If you want to be baptized today, we can make that happen. You're in the first service, so you're lucky. We can set it up for the second service if you want. Come and find me and we'll get you scheduled. For the second service people, they're just going to get baptized. There's no change of clothes. You have that option. If you want to get baptized today, it's right here. Come and talk to me and we'll make sure that happens. Let's worship together in victory.